You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome back to The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes, where I ask two published authors about their favorite tropes and the ones that make them want to cry. Unless it's a secret sibling, which probably is. Um, <laughs> that's oh, it all makes sense now. It's like, no, no it no. doesn't. It makes less <laughs> sense. I have more questions. Well, some, some people would argue he's the hero of Lord of the Rings. But... <laughs> some people being. <laughs> and it made you sad. The total opposite made you sad. Man, it is so bleak. I was reading it and I was like, damn, this girl's like, like... You're going to make a lot of enemies on the internet. Like that. <laughs> Wait, okay, let's start recording. <laughs> <laughs> Live, so. <laughs> okay, let's. I'll go through it. I'll go through it one more time. Um, so, what we're planning to do with these tier lists is every ten episodes, we are going to call that a season. And on every tenth episode, we're going to take all of the tropes that we had previously looked at and sort them into a tier list, a nice visual space for everyone to look at, which shows kind of where we feel these land on the spectrum of good or or bad tropes and as time goes by as we do more seasons we'll update this tier list not only adding nine new tropes uh but we will be sort of rearranging the other tropes uh as as to um you know the the kind of shifts in or not just our own personal feelings but let's say something like ya just became very popular um at the bologna festival so perhaps we're going to see some of the tropes we put quite high be, start to be overused and, and get saturated in which case we'll want to shift them down so it will evolve over time um which is which is i think which i think would be interesting and, and cool to kind of watch and observe but uh the system uh, let's explain the system we're going to do this in it's going to be quite democratic um we're going to average whatever grade the three of us give things so if i give an a melissa gives a b and naomi gives a c we're going to call that a b grade and I think it's probably important that we we define how we're kind of uh, defining each of these grades. So um, for me, it's going to be uh, the way I was looking at it was a sort of system where um, if I give something a high grade, a good grade, that means that I'm saying as a writer and also sort of conversely as a reader, uh, I'm saying this is a trope that I enjoy. It's a trope that I would like to see more of. I don't think there's too many pitfalls or sort of traps with it. Uh, go ahead. I think you're in, you're in safe territory using this trope. If I give something a lower grade, say a, a C or a D, which is the lowest grades we're, we're giving on this one, it means that I think perhaps this is a trope that as a writer, you should think, okay, do I need this trope? And um, is it going to work? Am I going to pull it off? There might be a lot more pitfalls involved. And it's up for something like a, a D grade, we might be talking about you potentially problematic or um, just so overused that it's just cliche. Uh, so, I mean, Melissa and I, is that kind of how you guys were, were approaching this as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I basically. think that's a good way. Thinking of it as writers and readers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for obviously anyone listening who's a writer or reader or both, hopefully. I think that works best. Yeah, for sure. Do I love reading it? Do I love writing it? Let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Because uh, writers are, for the most part, readers. Mm-hmm. We hope. Um, <laughs> okay, then, without any further ado, um, let's get off to episode one, which is a much broader, more of a sort of genre-y uh, trope. It is, uh, episode one was Unreliable Narrators. Ah. Uh, let's start with um, Melissa. Where, where are you at in the tier list with Unreliable Narrators? Yeah, I forgot this was episode one, actually. Um, so I, I'm trying to also think what I thought then and if I've changed my mind from listening and like reading people's comments on Twitter and stuff. Um, so I remember I wasn't like that fussed by Unreliable Narrators. I remember Naomi writes sort of Unreliable Narrators and we chatted a lot about it, but it was something that if I'm completely honest, never think about when I'm picking up a book or watching a TV show. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, it has an unreliable narrator. So I'm really keen to get into that. And I've also never attempted to write one. I know mm. we sort of concluded that maybe all narrators are unreliable. <laughs> yeah. But if we're taking it sort of like gone girl levels of unreliable narrator, then I'd never like massively been drawn to it. However, since we like had a huge conversation about it, I do think it's something I would quite like to write. But I don't know if I've read enough to put it really high my list so I would just put it this is very on the fence for the first one very pathetic but I would just <laughs> shove it in B yeah classic yeah. classic <laughs> what about you Naomi um personally I love an unreliable narrator because they are always a little bit different um everybody so the unreliable narrators I particularly like writing have got trauma who doesn't love a bit of trauma? <laughs> um, and that, you know, that can be different um, book to book um, and manuscript to manuscript. So I love reading them because even though you know that it's coming and there's going to be a reveal, which is the trope, you d- it's not always the same reveal. Um, and it's fun to try and guess what it is along the way. So I love reading them. And I do love writing them to try and, you know, drop in loads of red herrings for the reader and then try and guess what it, what it will be when and then be like oh when the big reveal comes along so i love doing yeah. that as a writer as well so um yeah this gets a, a good a from me i think it's not an s but it's definitely an a mm. okay that's interesting i also put this as an a mm-hmm. and my thing is that like this is almost it's like um i never i don't think of this as like a as some of the other tropes where i'm like as you, it's not like something you discover i guess you can discover it as you're reading it but it's um for me it's more of a kind of global decision that the author has made going in Mm -hmm. uh and i think any trope which is a conscious decision sort of almost before the thing is written uh is usually going to be a stronger one that you 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 kind of pick up when i pick up a book and uh, you're kind of aware it's an unreliable narrator or or the possibility that it could be an unreliable narrator that's that's something that is just a choice that's been made and you're like okay this is the way it's being told it's almost it's almost a sort of for me it's almost like um okay this is a first person point of view or a third person point of view it's like this is an unreliable narrator you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so sure. for me it's more of like a style choice and i yeah. have no problem with it which is why i was like i put it in a for me it's not s because like you said if we take it to to something like gone mm-hmm. girl if i were to read like reading Gone Girl and mixing it up with other things, great. If I were to read Gone Girl and then go into something else, which was the same kind of thing with like a big twist and then another thing, like I couldn't read that back to back, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously a personal preference. I bet some people live for this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. So two A's and a B, 
we'll we'll round that up to an A. Yeah, Woo. for sure. First one done, off the yeah. list, tick. <laughs> e- that's such an easy one though. Yeah, that was <laughs> such an easy and inoffensive one. Uh, let's go. Number two, much more spicy, love triangles. Naomi, <laughs> you can kick this one off. Okay, so I think when we talked about it last time, I'm trying to remember what I said and not be completely different to what I said in the episode. <laughs> um, I, I think I... I didn't love them, but I didn't absolutely hate them either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as, as, a, as a reader, <clears throat> excuse me, you're aware that at some point one of the love interests is going to get demonized in order to uh, bolster the choice that the, the main character makes in between the two love interests. Um, and that kind of always annoys me as a reader. Um, but as a writer, I, I would use it as a trope um if if i had like a limited cast and i needed something else going on like a bit of a b story so i don't i don't love it but i don't hate it either so I'd, it's a b from me okay that's i in my memory you were you were much meaner about it i know episode. i think i was <laughs> you really come yeah. around to it <laughs> i just yeah i think i was quite harsh about it actually but um I, I still it's not my favorite trope but I think I would use it if I absolutely had to so that's why it gets a B. I I completely agree with you like one of and I do think generally in main when I think about the mainstream use of this trope there is more bad than good and the thing mm. the thing that really like is frustrating is when like you talked about when someone gets sort of yanked in a direction that their character didn't seem to be heading in, like they're suddenly very evil or yeah. um, do something which is just like wild and, and just kind of reaching to a point and you're like, oh, that's unusual. And it and it kind of makes you feel like, well, why did I even bother rooting for anyone? In yeah, that's if this it. Person yeah. Is just... You just feel a little bit miffed as a reader, don't you? Yeah, there was one I actually thought of, um, and which I which I where they tried it it was in a movie some years ago called this means war with oh, tom hardy yes. chris pine and reese witherspoon and like, the, <laughs> well the movie is the whole thing is a, a the triangle. movie the pitch is a love triangle right it's <laughs> these two best friends who both start dating reese witherspoon mm-hmm. and they literally battle each other for her mm. affection and that ends with her choosing one and then i think um they tried to sort of do like oh no but it's a happy ending because i think she picks chris pine and then tom hardy no, but they're like, oh, but it's a happy ending because he gets back. I think he gets back with his ex or something. Ex-wife, yeah. And I'm like, and he well, has his family and it's like. That's so weird. Like, yeah. was he ever. <laughs> that means like, first of all, was he ever even, even, like, even interested in Reese Witherspoon? Because he literally like risked his friendship with his best friend. Yeah, for, for that. And yeah. then, or was he, was he. And then if, if that was true, then what his like wife his ex-wife was the like backup yeah exactly so she wasn't his first choice anyway and it's like <laughs> bloody hell but i mean that's the other way of doing it so they didn't demonize him they just gave him like a, a solid b option <laughs> to, well, so that the I viewer mean... can be like oh okay he's happy it's okay that's not good though no but it's not good yeah <laughs> i still i feel bad for his his ex-wife she was yeah. either or reese witherspoon but i guess she was part of the love triangle so like she was you know part of the problem but yeah his ex-wife is like you were either Plan B or he was like so messed up that he, he and he was kind of lashing out by dating someone else. I, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was a weird. It was it was an unusual. Uh, I didn't love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Melissa, where are you in love triangles? Well, 
you guys are just twinning up against me on all of these uh, <laughs> tier lists. So I'm going to come in and cause some chaos. So as a reader, like, can we have a quadruple S tier? I love it. I love it so much. Like, I, I think this is one of the episodes where I was simping about the Darkling oh and God. Man oh, with yeah, the Leader in yeah. the Shadow and Bone. Um, Paul Ben Barnes, I'm sure he listens. And uh, you can get my number anytime, Ben Barnes. And uh, so I was like, oh, as a reader, like, I absolutely love it. And as a watcher, I absolutely love it, like on a TV show or a film or anything. Mm. However, as a writer, I do see, and also as a writer, when you're reading something and you're um, dissecting it from a writing perspective and you're like, oh, is this like the most sensible route for the plot to go down? Or does this really make sense in terms of the plot and the character development? That it is, there are problems. So therefore, mm. I would put it in A because I love it and it's a toxic trait of mine. It is ridiculous. And at the end, I'm always <laughs> disappointed with who they pick. Like, I never fail to be disappointed. I just want it to carry on as a polyamorous relationship forever. Like, I'm just happy for it to carry on forever. Um, but that's also part of why it can't, obviously, it's not perfect. So I would actually put it in A. But that is, of course, a chaotic answer because, you know, you guys have put it in B, which is wrong. Well, I haven't but... put it in B. I, oh. Let me tell you where I've put it. Because I'm, I'm surprised that... Uh, I thought Naomi was going to be on the same page as me with this, but she, Naomi's done a bit of a turnaround and put oh. it. Oh, I'm being too generous. Like, I can change it to C if you like. I don't mind. Yeah. Well, no, because I was I was really thinking hard about this, and I was like, it can it can be fun. the The biggest issue for me is that um, even before they like uh, spiral one of the characters out of control or like kill one of the characters, mm-hmm. there's. Uh, for me it's always problematic just ha- if this exists like whichever character is the one that people are chasing after the affection of like they're the person who probably should put a stop to this yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. like that for me kind of villainizes them and off and like if they're the protagonist yeah like in hunger games or twilight that's the that's when i'm like you like you need to stop this like this mm-hmm. is unhealthy for everyone and it's kind of weirdly self <laughs> so unhealthy and narcissistic so of you yeah. to keep this going so <laughs> the only <laughs> the, uh, honestly i was close to putting this in d but right, I can, I, okay. but i can't because it's problematic guys <laughs> it is but so I, I, yeah i think b was maybe too generous now i regret my answer. <laughs> yes <laughs> no <laughs> but I can think of times when I when it when I think it has worked and does work and because it does add mm-hmm. uh, drama and it is a realistic situation that happens like to teenagers mm-hmm. I think it's actually a very common thing that happens and teenagers often get sucked up into sort of these uh, these situations, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think so the the movie that I talked about in the episode was Crush, which is a, a kind of classic oh, high school yeah, thing where yeah. where uh, the the main character is like obsessed with the super popular girl at school but then mm-hmm. she, she to try and get close to her she ends up joining the sports team and then she ends up falling in love with the girl's sister right um and then uh and the reason that i really like that and this happens in other happens in quite a few rom-coms as well uh, it kind of happens in mean girls is when there's a love triangle but one person usually the person which is being desired is totally oblivious to the love triangle so it's yeah. so it's like a competition between two people for a prize that they have no idea, like that doesn't even know they they kind of exist, mm. or, okay. yeah, that it's going on. Because then I feel like you're not vanilla, and usually those resolve with one of the two. Like sometimes they don't even end up with the person, and it like it resolves with one of the two people. It, they either get together or they kind of like have an amicable thing where they're like, I don't know why we were fighting over that person anyway. They they're not even that 
great mm-hmm. and they don't even know we exist yeah so it doesn't villainize anyone anyone so i think that's why those are the only times when i think that, that it, it actually like really works for me and i'm like hey it was fun i didn't mind it okay and for I'm, this reason i put it in c okay i think after all our discussions i have changed my mind and i think it is a c it's not a b it's not good enough to be a b sorry I'm furious <laughs> <laughs> i did it that I'm was sorry. One of, my, one of my goals was be like, I can change someone's grade. And what <laughs> ganging up against me. I want, I'm going to quit. I'm going to rage quit this podcast. <laughs> Do my own tier list. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, so that no, Melissa can stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> number three, killing mentors. Mm-hmm. Melissa, because of the outcome of the last one you can go first on this you have a chance to (laughs) debate both of our answers Lisa goes first okay (laughs) um yeah Mm. I am uh not actually a fan as a reader or watcher or writer of killing mentors um Mm. I think we talked a bit about this in the episode but I do it rarely makes me sad because I see it coming because it seems Mm. a very obvious plot point but it's not the worst thing in the world because I understand why they put it as a plot point. And of course, the most important thing is to keep the main character moving forward. So I don't hate it, but I do find it a little bit lazy. Mm. And I'm trying to think if I've written it in anywhere and I don't think so. I don't think I have. Like usually if I have a mentor, I suppose it's a bit spoilery, but if I have a mentor, like I like to have them that maybe they're not really the mentor. I don't know if that technically counts as killing the mentor. If you have them like, oh, actually the mentor's a bad guy. Um, so they're not kind of connected with them anymore. So I do think you have to disconnect them. I do think obvious an obvious way to do that is to kill the mentor. So they're not involved with the character anymore. Mm. However, I, I, yeah, I d- it doesn't really hit me in the feels, which it should because it's the death of a character. And we have other death tropes that do hit me in the feels. So I would just put it like in C. I think it's quite old fashioned now. Like if I think of more modern stories that were written sort of in the last 10 years, it doesn't happen as often. It still happens quite a lot but I feel like it it's not as common as it was and it just feels a bit old-fashioned so I'll put it in C yeah that's interesting Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying Uh, yeah that's right I don't think it's I don't think it's going anywhere I no, no it's as a uh as like a mechanism for a story to to like use to utilize I think it's just so it's um it's almost like a cheat code right mm-hmm. to yeah. to propel your protagonist forward to to jump forward and and whilst yeah it it's a bit overdone maybe i do think it's just su- such a good way of doing that um whilst also kind of giving a valuable lesson to the the the, the protagonist like it sets up not just like an ideal or like a self confidence thing but then it also sets up the emotion. It basically, it ticks all the boxes you need for like his direction and motivation for your character. Yeah, it does. Um, my The things that I think are fun about it now, and this, maybe this actually degrades it, is that because it's because it's so cliched, because it's so overused, the, actu- the, the times that I'm kind of intrigued by it or like by not necessarily the trope as it is but the use of the trope is because it has a sort of meta around it now where as soon as like you said as soon as someone is identified um as a as a kind of mentor figure yeah. you're like okay well the, you know they're gonna die at some point you know what's like, they're gonna they're yeah. gonna die soon yeah. which is why i think it's really interesting with something like hunger games where um Haymitch is is like 
literally written it's described he is a mentor it's like mm. label this character so playing with the sort of the 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 wider kind of meta of storytelling we probably all read that or watched that and we're like okay well you've literally just like painted a target on his back he's going to die at what point will he die and as you're mm -hmm. kind of experiencing that story you have this tension the whole way through being like okay maybe this is where he dies oh he didn't die like you've actually now so by labeling him a mentor you've kind of created a new level of tension and stakes just for this one character where it's like oh well he's expected to die at any moment mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah i kind of thought this with um i had this uh, i was thinking the day is this, this is sort of a weird take um <laughs> i've had the debate with lots of people about whether whether or not you can actually spoil a good story like if, if a story is really well written there's a strong argument for it can't be spoiled being knowing what happens will change how you experience the story but it will still be a good story to you like if you if you if you know this twist in the sixth sense it's still an enjoyable movie to watch because you're kind of like mm, look at that and that's so interesting and like i know this thing so that's actually a really interesting scene for me to watch you know what i mean so i thought <laughs> this this is you guys might not agree with me on this if you spo oh, spoilers for harry potter if you had never read or seen Harry Potter and before you started, someone told you, uh, by the way, Dumbledore dies. I think it would add a certain uh, je ne sais quoi to the experience because every book, every movie, you'd be kind of there being like, mm, interesting. So this Dumbledore character, he's obviously not going to die in the first one. Or maybe he will because that's what a lot of mentors do. And then every time, every kind of um, episode that you went through, you would be like, oh, I wonder if this is the one where he dies. And then every time he was in any kind of remote danger, you'd be like, oh God, oh God, you know? <laughs> but I you should know that already because they're a mentor. <laughs> so you yeah, yeah, you'll see it coming. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess it is It is a bit um, played out. For me, for me, you know what? I actually was going to put this in A tier because it just as really? a- Really? Like... <laughs> what? No. Let, but- you you guys have changed my opinion i'm, I'm moving this down to beta wow but because because i think it is um I, I also don't think it has to be so on the nose like it doesn't have to be the obi-wan uh kind of like very obvious uh mentor figure it can be a more subtle figure you know if you talk about something like joel is a mentor for ellie mm -hmm. in in the last of us so you know it can be a more subtle thing like that or I don't know. I, you've you've convinced me though, guys. I I, I see the error <laughs> in my ways. Yep. It's it's a B for me. Naomi, where are you putting it? I I don't like this trope. I mean, it's yes. not um, <laughs> it's not overly offensive, but I do think it's cliched and I do think it's lazy. So it's between a C and a D for me. So Ooh. I'll go C. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Okay. Finally. Uh, okay. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next? Uh, well, here's a fun one. Uh, I mean, this this one seems pretty cut and dry for me. Uh, yeah. Episode four, Mary Sue and Gary Stu. <laughs> Do we even need to discuss? <laughs> Is there an E tier? I'll just place it here for now. <laughs> just as a placeholder. Um, uh, I don't know what to say about this. Uh, 
it's almost for me it doesn't feel like uh what what i've got here on my little notes is that it doesn't feel like a useful criticism because i think to say oh this story is bad or let's let's do the one that everyone complains about on the internet uh the new star wars films are bad because ray is a mary sue no not really that's not why they're bad like the fact that she's (laughs) good at stuff is not why those stories don't work there are great stories where the main character is good at everything just read the name of the wind you know it's a perfect example (laughs) of how you can make this trope work um yeah the the issue is yeah the issue is more it, it it's not necessarily that they're good at loads of stuff or can pick things up very easy or everyone loves them the issue is that they are one dimensional characters and in the truest form of this trope that's made even worse because uh often what happens is the the story or whatever it is is written around this one character so everything else all the other characters the setting all the narrative that happens is created in service of this one one dimensional character which is fine because mm. it, it's like silly goose fun fanfic stuff and that's fine but it shouldn't ever be popping up in hollywood blockbusters or bestseller lists yeah and that's yeah that's true simple as it is what do you guys think agree um, Agree. <laughs> anything, Agree. anything else to add do we need to discuss this one any further oh, i don't think so like i think i just it's just the problem is depending on what mary sue or gary sue and obviously mary sue we discussed in the episode like comes from that star trek story and blah, blah, blah. whatever you think it started off as it definitely has become a placeholder for a boring character that does not have proper character development yet happens to be good at things. Yeah. And therefore it is lazy and you shouldn't write it and you shouldn't like enjoy reading or watching it. Like I think we talked about the reason it's interesting in Twilight is because obviously Twilight was really popular. It has a very prolific Mary Sue character in Bella. <laughs> but it also means that as a teenage girl reader, a lot of people talked about why it was popular and you can quite easily step into the shoes of Bella because I think at yeah. one point somebody said she's barely even described how she looks. Mm. Yeah, Edward is described in minute detail how he looks. She's, she's quite just bland. like yeah she is really bland and so you can kind of as a as a reader step in and put your own personality on which is an mm-hmm. interesting way of using mary sue to make lots of money i actually <laughs> not against making lots of money that sounds great but it doesn't mean it's not lazy nope eat it yeah yeah i agree it's lazy um don't like it and nope. and boring as well it, it, it is boring, boring. No, <laughs> it's yeah, boring where's the voice so uh, boring, no character yeah. Development yeah and i would say and problematic in the t- well i'm yeah. just talking about twilight here because it's like you you're saying oh you can put your it's easy to put yourself in the shoes because she's basically just a canvas like blank but the 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 real mary sue issue with with uh bella is that everyone falls in everyone's in love with her and she's yeah. like she doesn't Why? do anything yeah. she's, she's like, so boring and, and she's not <laughs> no supposed reason. to be yeah. super attractive or anything like yeah she's not described as such it's like everyone just falls in love with her and i'm like well that's if if you're giving this to like younger audiences and saying oh you can just become this character it's like well you're telling them they're not, they don't have to do anything and people are just yep. going to fall in love with them issues Correct. issues guys <laughs> you, you know how you know how edward like is interested in her because he can't read her mind like that's the whole point of why he's <laughs> yeah. interested in her. if he could read her mind like i bet there would have been no romance because yeah maybe anyway. he could read her mind and he yeah. was so <laughs> baffled at how there was nothing going how on how are you not thinking about editing <laughs> isn't that one of the lines in the movie i don't know if it's in the book but he's like oh i can read everyone's mind in this room but when oh, i look yeah. at you nothing it's <laughs> like lol and he's like oh i just can't read your mind and she's Stay like yeah sure feel. yeah <laughs> yeah that's what it is yeah yeah <laughs> 
Okay, easy one. Uh, next up, <laughs> uh, number five was orphans and or absentee parents. Um, Naomi, where you at? So I... Alexa, shut up. <laughs> You're not in this How podcast. rude. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wanted to join in. Just got shushed by Alexa. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Naomi. Um, so I love orphans. Um, they are so fun to write. They are so fun to read. If you lean hard enough into it, they are awesome like Batman. Um, I think if you're going to do this one, you've got to absolutely embrace it. So um, for me, it's a, it's an S. This is the only one I've given an S. Ooh. I'm loving how how different all my choices are to both. <laughs> <laughs> it's also an S. <laughs> Surprise! I added a new tier for this one. <laughs> That's interesting, um, Melissa. What about you? Mm. So I'm an only child. And um, so, like, quite often when I would read books with orphans in as a kid, uh, and this is psychopathic, by the way, like, <laughs> I don't think this is normal. Um, I would read it and I'd be like, wow, look, you know, I've got no siblings. And also, if my parents died, like, all of my favorite characters, I would be so cool and suddenly develop powers Aww. or, like, be rich suddenly or something. They would be so awesome. I'd be all alone in the universe, just being right. against the world. So it was very dramatic. It was very dramatic and emo. It was very, uh, <laughs> very, very my chemical romance <laughs> levels of just drama. Um, so I really like it, but I do think it can be a bit lazy. For instance, I have tried to add siblings in books. I'm, mm -hmm. I've just finished writing one, a draft that I've sent to the publisher for consideration, and I've given one character a sibling, and I found it really difficult to remember what to do with them. And I know we're talking about orphans, but quite often orphans are also like the reason that orphan is they're completely alone, right? Like yeah. that's part of mm -hmm. the point is that they're completely on their own. So obviously you've got to get rid of parents, found that really difficult, did not kill any parents apart from one that's already dead before the story starts. But most of the parents, there are several parents that are alive and it was very difficult to work out difficult. to get rid of them. Yeah. It really was. And then also I tried to add a sibling. And that was very difficult. And I totally forget kept forgetting she was there. So that's going to need editing. I know that's going to need editing because she definitely disappears at random points. Um, so I quite like it. From a writing perspective, I don't think it's that important to, if you're writing YA, you just don't need the parents there. I, don't, mm. I do think it can be lazy, but I also accept I do it as well. And I don't mind that I do it because at the end of the day, I want to focus on the story and it doesn't yeah. upset me too much in terms of this is a shortcut to get to the story quicker. Mm -hmm. so, but I wouldn't put it in S tier. I thought I was a bit, ro a bit rogue near me, but S tier. Um, it belongs but... in S tier. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I do, you know what? I was going to put it in B, but actually <gasps> because I don't mind it, and it never bothers me when I read it. I never think like, "Oh, this is really annoying that there's an orphan here." I'm just like, "Yeah, that's absolutely fine." Yeah, and I'll put it in A. This is why okay. it works though as a trait, and why it should be an yeah. S, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> because as a reader, you want the main character to go off on their adventure, and as a writer, right. it enables you to do it. It just works, okay? It, it belongs in S. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what's interesting is I actually think there are quite a. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There are quite a few siblings, and I, I now that you've mentioned so? siblings, I'm like, oh, I, I'd not thought about that. But obviously, this is orphans, absolute parents, but siblings yeah, is no, a separate thing. Yeah. But um, Divergent has this, uh, she has a sibling, mm -hmm. and he become he ends up becoming like a rival to her. He's a bit weird, yeah, that's and, true. She has a twin, and which then, she, she added later in later drafts. She was originally an only oh, child. Oh, really? That's interesting. interesting. I wonder, yeah, what the... she wrote a blog post about it that it was just to explore the other faction. She added a twin, uh, oh, very okay. late. Yeah, that's quite a good method. That's someone who like, he likes world building, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, guys. I spent all this time creating the world, and you will see it, yeah. <laughs> 
and then obviously Katniss. Uh, yeah, has, yes, uh, sibling. It's true, for, but she also has one alive sometimes. parent, right? So she's yeah. not orphaned. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay, yeah. ignore me. Um, <laughs> uh, siblings, are interesting though. Maybe we, maybe there's a sibling trope that we need to look into. Uh, yeah, I'll write it down. <laughs> orphans, orphans. So uh, when I was going over all the episodes and I was thinking about this kind of stuff, I we didn't mention a couple of like. Uh, big orphans and i was like oh we it's crazy that we didn't talk about this um we didn't talk about superman uh and i was like oh he's not even just an orphan like he's a a gary stew he's literally but he's also like (laughs) yes but he's also (laughs) like the last krypton or like Mm. when you first meet him and then i I imagine in various different canons there's there's some he's he's suffered genocide essentially yeah which is he's like orphan of an entire peoples yeah Yeah. Um, against the world this is what i'm saying so I was like, oh, it's crazy that we didn't talk about that. But again, I don't think there's much to talk about. Because he, he, whilst he's an orphan, he gets two extremely caring and loving mm-hmm. adoptive parents. Yeah. So I don't, there's a, he probably doesn't count because he he does have uh He does, yeah. Adoptive he does parents. have a family, yeah. And then yeah. Um, Eleven uh, was one yeah, that I was thinking of as well that we didn't one. talk about. Um, Eleven's story, I like. Um, it's baked into her character whether she's kind of abducted for science reasons and then she does have a mother and she kind of tries to find her it's part of the story but then you never really find her but um we didn't we we, i was i was doing a whole retrospective here guys we didn't mention the kind of tie-in with a lot of the orphan stuff which is uh when you get orphan characters that also often ties into another trope which is found families yeah and we never discussed that I yeah. do like found families, but sometimes, but I think it's, I think it's a slippery slope where it can sometimes feel forced and you're like, mm, I don't know about this relationship, but yeah, that's, that's that fair. is definitely another episode, found families. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, uh, so where did I put this? So you guys have gone S and A, not what yeah. I was expecting. Uh, this is, is an interesting one. Uh, I have no problem with orphaned or abandoned protagonists. It's an protagonists. S. It's an S. But <laughs> you're like Harry Potter with the sorting hat on. Anything yeah. Anything <laughs> It'd be great. Um, but for me, it's, I think this is a B tier. Because <gasps> I think, I think no. this, and I, I'm looking at this from a more of a writing perspective here, is I think you have to do a bit more to make it work. Because mm-hmm. I think you need to justify it um, whether it's like through the setting in something like the Loch Lamora books or baking it into the character design like Batman. Um, or I don't know, maybe you don't, because then like with Frodo, it's just not mentioned. But the thing is, so true. it is easy to explain, <laughs> like, and you don't need necessarily a lot of backstory to explain it. And I think that's why it works so well, like from writing and from reading, because as a reader, do you, do you really care? No. Yeah, no, I see what I you're saying. I don't love it, but I don't care that it's there. Yeah. The thing about it No, I mean, is... like, do you, do, you, do you care if they don't have any parents or not? Because as no. a reader, you're one, you want to read about someone who's going to go off and do things and you yeah, want them to true. go and do them really, really quickly. And so that is why you don't, you sort of buy into the fact that the people don't have parents because you're like, okay, so this is great because they're going to go off on their adventure. And so I don't really care what happened to them. And all oh, that maybe there's like a touching moment where they regret not having parents, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, whatever. But the main point is, they're off on their adventure, and I'm reading about this great adventure. And so that, that's why you don't really need a lot of backstory to explain it, and why it's so easy to write um, because it's you're true. giving you're giving the reader what they want. It's true. My 
my my thing about it is is more the the element that it's that I do feel like I you do see it a lot and I do there are times yeah. when if it's not done um sort of thoughtfully I think it's easy to be like another orphan uh. and I don't know I think I think there's a lot of um I you know you, you read a lot of stories where there's really interesting interactions with parents and things like that a lot of television um I you know I watch a lot of dramedies uh on 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 whatever platform it is and I think that there's there's a lot of interesting stuff you can get from having parents involved because it's a dynamic that's so unique like there's no other there's not really any other dynamic that's like that mm. so for me it's going to stay in B controversial with this group uh, apparently which means ends up in which a means and i'm correct yay and melissa wins this round <laughs> i think that's a great showing for orphans though being next yeah. to unreliable narrators which i think unreliable narrators is such a staple yeah yeah they're both storytelling techniques as well which is quite interesting yeah that's true that's <laughs> so true okay all right fine yeah. i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> okay um number six uh and it's this is this is one of naomi's ones uh force motherhood this is an f from me <laughs> i'll just put it i'll put it straight up here Naomi's just now. jumping straight in <laughs> it's it's so problematic yeah authors using characters as mouthpieces for their own views um often just shoving stuff in because you want that hea at the end of the book um yeah. women can't be complete unless they have children and or a husband and it's like i just it should no it's not it's not for me <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and the, i mean it's uh similarly to to love triangles but not in the same but much worse is is it does this one so much of the time comes with that last minute swerve into yeah. like and then after mastering the universe and liberating the free yeah. peoples of the world she got married settled down and had babies it's just <laughs> no it's, it's not good <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, it. motherhood is absolutely fine as a resolution. If it's been set up, if, the, if yeah. it like makes sense for the character, if it's, if it's, you know, it, what, it, it, if it has, I don't want to say foreshadowing, but like it, it just has to make sense for the character. When it's the last second, like, and then Katniss decided to have children and not name them. <laughs> just the boy <laughs> and the girl. Yeah. If boy it's, and if girl. It, if it's in a romance type genre, category whatever it is yeah um it works and it's fine because it's probably built into the characters anyway but yeah when it comes as like a total affront to everything else that has happened it's like no it's an f it, yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. and the trope is forced that's the thing is like that it doesn't even count because i was when i looked at this i was like yeah but that's just motherhood which is mm. not a trope that's just like you know it's a normal thing that a lot of people want it's forced motherhood is is the trope and uh, it's just always bad it's always yeah. bad it's always problematic it's old-fashioned it's so um, old-fashioned yeah melissa anything to add <laughs> uh is there anything to add forced motherhood? <laughs> um not really yeah it's it's always annoying especially at the end of like a middle grade or young adult series where they just go oh you're not ready to leave yet we're gonna fast forward 19 years just so we can show that they had children so that mm -hmm. then their children can take over the next series if i feel like writing this later <laughs> and that feels lazy it happens in um poldark as well actually it's just annoying uh, it's just oh, annoying really? and it's yeah. just like oh if we get renewed maybe we'll pop back with these kids eh and your <laughs> kids can watch it i don't know and it just feels lazy i don't like it i don't like it yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. Although nowadays they just love to like they wait like twenty years if it's the actors are young and then they'll they'll 
bring back a whole new thing where it's like, oh, we got the, all the actors back. Like, look yeah. at Jurassic World. It's all the old actors, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah, great story, guys. <laughs> Good job. Cool. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for, I think maybe 10 years time. I won't be surprised if there's a whole set of movies announced for Harry Potter and they bring back the main three actors and they're all playing their older adult selves. Oh, yeah. No, you're so Wouldn't be surprised right. at But all. we'll have no like character development because it's not like we actually wrote in what happened in those 19 years. They're just no, there. No, no, well, no. that's the cursed child. Is it oh, the yeah, play yeah, the yeah. cursed child thing? That's true. The they're just going to they're going to do that, right? It's there's no yeah. way that's not being made into a film in like yeah. I don't know how old they're supposed to be, but probably like 10 yeah. 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> that will be Stupid. interesting to see what happens there because I think a lot of the actors who from the original cast disagree with a lot of jk's views so would they do it i don't know well you're assuming they haven't already signed that contract <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when they were like 11 yeah yep. <laughs> it's probably like the small the small uh small print in their contract was yeah. like, and any future things we write <laughs> anything i write children into you must play the dad of that child <laughs> see you in 20 years okay, but then that yeah. that series will all be about their children and setting up their children for their new like yeah. young adult series oh. exactly yeah <laughs> it annoys me okay well this one sucks um i yep. we don't need to we all we all did d right we don't mm-hmm. need to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay next 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 next, next. <laughs> uh episode eight this was a wait have i missed one i've missed one episode seven prophecies and chosen ones melissa mm-hmm. you go you go you go you go this was quite hard actually i think because again Mm. in a similar way to orphans i don't really mind if it's like propelling the story along because it feeds into the whole hero's journey which you do need like i think we were talking about this with the last of us that they is it naughty dog like to say they like to do simple stories but with complex Mm. characters and this is a way to do a simple story that you recognize and and we talked a lot about the episode like a lego movie and they flip it on its head and all this kind of stuff um so i don't mind it a bit like with orphans however i do sometimes find it annoying depending on how well they set up the prophecy or if it's quite obviously like set up later in the series and they clearly hadn't thought about it to start with yeah so i think i'm gonna do i sit on the fence and put it in b or put it in c because i do find it a little bit annoying i'm gonna put it in c i'm not gonna sit on the fence i'm gonna (laughs) put it in c splinters from sitting on that fence um yeah i'm gonna put it in c i'm looking at what else we've got in c as well and i feel like it's on like a similar vibe of can be lazy but i don't mind it so i'm gonna put it in c yeah i i i kind of agree i this one i yeah this one probably took the most thought though for Mm. for me yeah because i was like there was a part of me i think the thing is we made it harder as well by doing it as one episode because prophecies and chosen i think chosen ones almost always exist within a prophecy mm-hmm. to some yeah. degree but there are prophecies that don't involve chosen ones and when i when i thought about it like that there was a part of me that was like god that's super lame isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's really funny. i mean you mentioned ellie from the last of us and like that actually was something i hadn't thought about when we were talking about the episode and that kind of changed my perspective a bit and i was like oh you know what that is actually an interesting way of doing like you chosen one doesn't necessarily have to be like the uh, an ancient mentor with a beard says oh you are the chosen one Mm -hmm. destined to whatever Uh, like you can be chosen by 
so many different factors like like Katniss is chosen by society um the sort of the the rebellion around her right and then mm-hmm. Ellie's chosen by genetic natural selection and that that's an interesting way of doing chosen ones I think there's a lot of I guess it depends how you define a chosen one but once you tie it in with the prophecy then it's like uh, okay so now we're talking like Aragorn like uh Anakin uh, Skywalker yeah. and for me I was like you know what the the Lego movie did it best because yeah. when the Lego movie is just like it's so good though it's an Every excellent episode. movie <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an amazing movie and you should all go and watch it. uh just when they were like, oh, yeah, oh, there's always a prophecy. And I'm like, yeah, there is always a prophecy. And it's yeah. just a cheat, like, it's a cheat code. It's a, like, get out of jail, free, Scott, easy kind of thing. So I think, yeah, prophecies, eh, I'm sure you can make it work. And then there's, like, the Harry Potter thing where it's like, oh, the prophecy. And it's, it's you don't know who it is. Maybe it's Neville. And I'm like, it's not Neville. It's not. <laughs> it's, name's not on the cover. So it was so um, confusing. Yeah, I don't know. For for me, for me, it was also you said C, right? It was yeah. C for me as well. What what did you think, Naomi? Um, so I so I like it's we've got it down as the chosen one of prophecies, right? Or prophecies I would rank the chosen one higher than a prophecy, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um I think like basically what you were just saying. But um as as a reader, I don't mind it because like I think we discussed it in the episode where we were talking about it being basically a promise Mm -hmm. and so you see it on the page and you know what you're going to get and you know the fact that there's a prophecy this chosen one is going to go off and try and prevent the prophecy and in so doing make the prophecy come about um and I think you 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 see these things and it's a recipe and it's and you know what you're going to get and you you just you're along for the ride really but I think it's down to the writing to make it differently uh sorry uh, it's different to to others that use the same trope and um how successful it is so i yeah i don't know i think i had it down as a b um you know what which i, I can might, see that i might change to b because I'm yeah think, i nearly went b now that i'm like yeah it's a c plus c plus, <laughs> c plus. L- low c b high c yeah <laughs> uh i'm thinking yeah because i can never be I'm thinking because if, if you can look at chosen ones as something like it doesn't have to be like a mystical ancient prophecy. Yeah, that's it. I think that's how I would differentiate it. The prophecy can also be that. And yeah. I, I like that what you said before, like um, simple storyline, complex character. And I think that definitely yeah. Um, fits, fits that. Yeah. yeah. I can live with B. I nearly went B. I just felt like it was, <laughs> I wanted to be more controversial. So I jumped <laughs> hey, I'm glad to have one in B. Drama. Have yeah. in B. <laughs> yeah, to live with B. <laughs> um okay i like that one yeah i feel like that one you can keep thinking about it in different ways there's yeah. a lot of layers to that and because yeah. yeah when i think of a prophecy could just be something some you know one of the classic um tricks that a lot of authors do and you'll see this in lots of movies and stuff is that the the there'll be a character early on that identifies exactly the the like issue with the main character but it'll be just like a throwaway thing that they're like, yeah, whatever. And then later on, they'll come to like, they won't like think back to that specific moment necessarily. But what that does is it primes you as the reader, as the audience to be like, oh, that's the thing that's wrong with them in the back of your mind. But but then it kind of comes back around. And like, I guess that is a prophecy in of itself. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one to think about. Um, mm-hmm. Or not, seeing as we put it right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, okay. Uh, episode eight, which was um, f- brought to us by the wonderful Cassia Lupo, uh, mm. badass, super strong female 
characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naomi, what do you think? So I think I was on the fence with this one because it is very problematic, but I came at it from a point of view of younger readers, um, particularly younger girl readers, seeing badass females on the page. Um, and so, yeah, I it's it's so problematic because it means that you can't have a three-dimensional female character, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, seeing a girl go kick butt is pretty cool so uh i gave this one a c okay that yeah that makes that makes sense Mm -hmm. um this one and it's yeah the well i mean the trope is like we know what the trope is that we and we discussed it at length in the episode it's there you know the characters who you genuinely think are like really strong independent um female characters yeah. are not generally like the, the the ones that come to mind are not the ones in you watching a movie where it's like oh yeah they're just like really good at fighting and like shooting stuff and um which the basically michelle rodriguez's back <laughs> but i was as i was like finding the picture because i thought it'd be funny to just have her all over the the, know, the picture for the episode that. I thought that was funny. um <laughs> as i was kind of like looking through the pictures and i was remembering her in some of the movies i was like there's a reason that she is the the chosen one for hollywood to be this role it's because she actually like she's convincing she's yeah I think she it, is she's broody and she does it well yeah but she also she also i think keeps um she keeps her sort of femininity while she does it like you never watch her and you're like oh it's a woman trying to be a man you're like oh it's mm-hmm. you know she's she's always a, a woman she just has traits she she pulls it off and i think i hats off to her for for, for fulfilling this role which i think actually a lot of other characters wouldn't the, the the one that really conversely i thought of and it's not a woman but it's um i can't remember what the movie was called something in the something in a thousand stars it was with um cara delavine and danes dehan and he oh yeah and they, they like something a thousand cities oh, oh yeah, like valerian that. in this yeah yeah, yeah, valerian. yeah. And oh, I that watching was that. bad very bad but like the casting i was like this is terrible casting yeah. i think danes dehan is, is a really good actor yeah i thought he was, he was so good so in wrong, that, that um superhero movie where they kind of found powers and it was all filmed on like handheld cameras I oh yeah super eight no not no. that one no. <laughs> it was That's way like before very then. similar plot <laughs> um it's true. it was uh i can't remember what it was, called. It was uh they, they were all teenagers they were like uh, in high school and it was michael b jordan it was like one of michael b jordan's oh. first movies um they he i think he's a really good actor but i that was based i believe on a graphic novel or something and mm-hmm. the that character that he was supposed to be playing was a sort of harrison ford like um swashbuckling rogue type character like handsome and muscular and they everyone in the story kept telling you it's like oh he's so handsome and dashing and i'm like that's not really dane's energy you know <laughs> this is the guy who's playing the green goblin in yeah. the new like he's a much more like intense kind of um slim character and yeah, it just felt like such weird casting and that kind of feels like i think how they portrayed the strong female characters and a lot of things where they're like oh we'll just pick and it's mostly movies but it's like oh we'll just pick you know this uh this currently popular actor and and the they can't 
pull it off they're just miscast in that role because the, because the role doesn't have any dimensions mm-hmm. that mm. was such a long tangent for like about <laughs> 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 i think it's i think it's deeper because you can have you know it's strong female characters exist all over the place you don't need to give them guns and they don't need to kick ass to do it they can like i think we talked about 11 in the, yeah, um, yeah. the, the episode i think 11 is a great example because she's super powerful and like no one can really fight her one-on-one but at the same time she's like complex she has her own issues and things yeah, like that she's vulnerable or um ripley Ripley's from a good one. alien largely because ripley was written uh uh without any it was just written as a character without it was undecided i believe whether it was a man or a woman when they wrote it so it was just like this is a character so all the decisions that ripley makes are character decisions not mm. biased towards like oh well what would a what would a man do in this situation what would a woman do in this situation mm. Yeah. I think the only thing that would stop me putting it in D is because mm-hmm. you can have badass male characters that are just like, I'm thinking like series like Jason Bourne type characters <laughs> that are just allowed to be badass and don't have to be 3D. Or uh, James Bond, for instance. And they're oh, just yeah, allowed. True. So I'm like, women are allowed <gasps> yeah. them to, I've decided. So hey, I yeah, put I it like in that. C. That's a good argument. <laughs> well, that's dumb. They don't have to be all the time. James Bond yeah. is more three-dimensional than that, don't you think? James Bond. Yeah. Oh, he is now. He is now. Well, yeah, yeah now he is. Yeah. Yeah. Up until Daniel Radcliffe. D- Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe would be amazing. <laughs> oh my God! Petition Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> the next Bond. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe going from playing weird Al Yankovic to James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, up until Daniel Craig, he had no backstory. No, no, he didn't. Yeah. He was a bit useless in one of the movies right yeah but he was just mm-hmm. like i always get the girl i am so mysterious i always eat, order the I same cocktail what is wrong with you just order something else like be experimental <laughs> yeah, so, <live> a little. <laughs> yeah so i think we're allowed those two ladies can have these silly action that's heroes true. why not that's so yeah. true that's not a good point well, but a, i don't a, love them see <laughs> caveat as long as it's not there as like a token addition as long yeah, as it's true. not like oh you wrote the cast and then it was like, oh, um, I don't feel like we have enough badass female representation here. Let's just chuck you know, this woman in with the sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That can be useless, but yeah. Yeah. See. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's fair. And the, the the final one, the last one of our season one is uh, the trope that none of us realized was a trope until someone, <laughs> until uh, Melissa, like, looked it up and was like hey that is a trope Uh, helpless window deaths um i'll 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 start off with this one i love it can't get enough Mm -hmm. um i'm at a point where i'm happy to see more of this i've um there's enough variation from like sort of it being bittersweet to sort of horrifying and infuriating um it's not whilst it's not uncommon like we all you know when we were going through the episode we all thought of a bunch of different scenes and sequences where this happened or like kind edge cases where this happened i've never seen this and been like oh this trope again you know it doesn't it doesn't trigger anything inside of me that takes me out of the experience if Mm. anything some of my favorite scenes in loads of different like movies and stuff are this exact thing like it's very memorable Mm -hmm. um and i would be happy to see more of it and i think while we were talking about we were like damn i gotta write one of these this is great this is great stuff it's so good and you Um, know it's coming as well i love that bit where you're like wait a minute this isn't a house window death is it oh it is a window let's go (laughs) 
like the window comes down you're like yes it's happening (laughs) (laughs) i'm already crying (laughs) (laughs) um so for me for me it's esther no esther really because i just yeah the other thing about it is i don't think it's hard to do it sort of badly or or in like a dumb like it's even if you did it and it didn't have that much meaning if it was like not that big a character like we talked about um in the watchman there's like a kind of minor one which happens very early on and i'm like it's Mm. never bad like even when it's like meh it's like okay it's just a thing that you don't even think about you don't engage with it yeah okay so we're saying I I went into this episode really uncertain actually, and I think I came out of it really loving it. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, they are really fun to watch actually, and it's so, yeah. so emotional, so dramatic, and I want to write one. Um, so, but it's not an S tier for me. I think because I think an S tier for me has that book has to revolve around something, and it has to really lean into it and really own it, which is why orphans should be up there. But um, <laughs> so the helpless window death gets a solid A from me because okay. it's just a little thing that happens. It's yeah, it's a, a, it's a scene trope. Plot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a chapter trope as opposed to a, a book trope. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Melissa? This was my only S tier. Let's yeah, go. I love it. You I absolutely it. <laughs> love this one. You, like I said, even when you know it's coming, like whether you're reading or watching, like it starts to trip up on you, and it's one of those things where you slowly realize oh they can't get out oh god we're gonna have to watch them and then i'm like excited <laughs> to cry and then i like, pull the tissue box first I'm like yes i'm gonna be such a mess after this i love it um and i never get bored of it and i've never seen a bad one and it's always interesting in some way or another especially because you just get to see what's happening and especially in a book where there's loads of time especially in a first person perspective book where you don't get to see what's happened it's yeah. a really good way to show what happened but still feel helpless because you can't do anything love it Esther. and it's got a it's got such a range too yeah you know mm, it's true, it doesn't you, for, like the 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 hunger games one we talked about and then you've got like obviously the kirk and spock one yeah um and then i was thinking about there was an interesting um you know independence day yeah there's a the bit when they have the alien in the lab and it like uh mind yes, controls brilliant. the doctor yes. and it's you're like data. you know he's dead Independence it's Day like... is like my first favorite film of all time yeah, <laughs> no wonder now i know <laughs> um but that's that's an interesting one because that's different from the other ones where that's that's like a sort of horror like oh my god this is like borderline scary and kind of like yeah. uh, 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 exterminate them kind of thing yeah. so what a range i'm uh. also really glad that we got one in each <laughs> <laughs> it is very satisfying that was, my, that was the main thing i was like yes please please hit the yes to <laughs> well that's it what do you guys think awesome i know it's naomi's good. upset about I, orphans being a orphans should look be. i love triangles cheated. in c when I put it in A, okay. So I don't know what you're so crying about. Problematic. Okay. <laughs> I've been bullied consistently on this show. I will be putting in complaints. At least we're all unanimously in agreement about D two. Yes. Yes. D two was just so easy. Pretty Yeah. Straight in there. Straight in there. Some great discussions. The prophecies and chosen ones. Maybe we'll revisit those in as separate entities in a later episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I think could be interesting. I think there's That'd a lot. Cool. Uh, there's a lot more to unpack with those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it. Season one tier list for the chosen ones and other tropes. Um, thanks everyone listening for for tuning in, and uh, be sure to tell us what you agreed with, what you disagreed with, and um, give us a shout about which tropes you'd like to see us do in in season two. Ooh, yeah. Um, but um, thanks for listening, and thanks for choosing in, and. and uh, I guess that's it. <laughs>
Thanks for putting up with our nonsense for another episode. To stay tuned to everything we're up to, you can follow the podcast on all socials at The Chosen Tropes. Follow Melissa at Meliva, Naomi at Naomi G. Writes, and Jamie at Jamie X. Greenwood. Don't forget to check out Naomi and Melissa's books as well as the Right and Wrong podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next trope. <laughs>